Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 124. A lot of exciting episodes the last few weeks and and soon to come as well with things such as pickups for peace. We've got a guy who's been deployed in Iraq. It's quite an interesting story and one that one that I was aware was coming in, but didn't realise just quite how in-depth it would be. And it was part of the non-food and farming series All In with Ed. Um, but just as a side fact, Duncan decided to say at one point, he was like, well, I do actually, in fairness, come from a farm. I'm like, oh, brilliant. Expecting some kind of small holding. Turned out it was a mere 110,000 acres in Australia. So uh, huh. quite quite a place, it must be said. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, a lot coming up. I will be, not sure exactly when this has been released, but I will hopefully have done my charity fundraising walk around Aaron twice. And I will also hopefully have... Africa coming up soon so trying to get ahead get things pre-recorded um, and yeah looking forward to touring Tanzania at a food summit and doing a safari which I cannot wait for and then heading on to, to Rwanda to basically act as tourists in Rwanda with the young farmers over there so <clears throat> quite a I'm guessing somewhat of a life-changing experience I am very white I will come back very burned uh, and looking forward to the the pain that I go through in that way. <laughs> Today, our guest is currently laughing at me. Um, is a pioneer for someone such as myself, shall we say? Uh, I am not aware of many farming podcasters that came before him. Um, for those of you on farming Twitter, uh, for those of you that know of the Oxford Farming Conference, for those of you that know farming and know journalism around farming, you've probably heard of this man. And that man is Will Evans. Well, would you like to say hello? Carl <clears throat> Wallace, um, really good to meet you. And uh, um, I feel like this is a big anti-climax after you're talking about all the other guests you've got coming up, um, <laughs> coming to me. Not at all, man, not at all. It's, it's, I, I mean, you'll know just as well as anyone. It's, it's amazing the folk you meet. Just before we get started with another episode of the R2 cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, A-Plan Rural. A-Plan Rural are heavily involved on the social media scene in the ag space with 120,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories. They also post to their rural community blog with further stories about these people in the industry. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Aplan Rural for that. Uh, oh yeah, it never never ceases to amaze me the human stories that there are in farming. I mean, I guess that's why I started podcasting all those years ago back in the caves. But um, yeah, the human interest stories in farming and food production are incredible, um, and the people of the industry and community are, I guess, are what what makes it all so special. I think it is, you know, like the the networking side is. They say it's a networking industry, and, and I've always been aware that's true, but sometimes I just forget just how close the whole thing <laughs> I mean, like, we were, I was filming there, <clears throat> filming yesterday with someone, and uh, they were in Cambridge, and it turned out my mate used to work with the girl that set him and his wife up <laughs> on the Isle of Ling, of all places, a tiny island of Scotland. Like, just, yeah, there's always some kind of little connection, and it's... um. And it's really interesting to open up those sort of folks, those folks' minds and stuff and see see what's in there. But um, I mentioned yes. at the start, well, you're you're a bit of a pioneer and uh, maybe you won't agree with that, but it's hard hard not to, I think, in fairness. Could you tell us a bit about <clears throat> about what I'm talking about there, Rock and Roll Farming? How did that kick off? And I guess why did it kick off? Yeah, so I, um, I had never done any kind of... Um, 
media work really before at all. Um, and in fact, I never really, like I literally left school at 15 to go and work on a home farm. Um, that was all I was ever going to do. And that's all I, that's where I'm happiest still. But um, I'd started listening to podcasts pretty early on, um, sports podcasts, nerdy kind of history ones, that kind of thing. And then I heard um, uh, a farming podcast in in the States, um, the Shark Farmer podcast, and um, I just thought it was great, you know, and really kind of tapped into my interest of what I was just saying, those kind of human stories behind farming and food production. So um emailed the the guy behind it rob shirky um and just said look i love what you're doing this is brilliant um and he was you know we we became mates and sort of emailed back into a bit and then i had the idea why isn't the one of these in the uk um and i was sort of quite frustrated at the time with some of the um communications coming out of farming from kind of industry bodies and things like that and i was like why why aren't they doing this you know why aren't they and i never thought well i don't want to be one of those kind of people on the sidelines kind of criticizing and moaning about someone not doing anything i if i'm going to do that i might as well do it myself so um this was back in 2017 so podcasts i mean i some people knew about them but they weren't anywhere near as big as they are now so um i kind of got on youtube and um figured out how to do it and i contacted a few people in farming and feed production said look I'm thinking about doing this thing would you be interviewed and once I explained what it was and what it was all about they were all happy to do it and um it kind of went from there um didn't really expect it to to go very far I thought I'll just do sort of five or ten and see how it goes and it just I think it just kind of captured a, a moment and at the time on social media a lot of people were talking about farmers um reaching out, reaching out to our customers and consumers and talking about what we do. And I think it just, um, yeah, just unexpectedly took off. And um, I was I was blown away by the way people reacted to it. And I, I absolutely loved doing it. It was an incredible thing to be involved in. Can you remember any of your first few who it was? Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think the first one was James Robinson, uh, who's a dairy farmer from up in Cumbria. If people, uh, he's JR from Strictly on, on social media. So James is a mate of mine. So I wanted to speak to someone I knew to start with, but he's also someone I, I admire tremendously. And I think he's really good on that communication. He's just a lovely guy and very good at sort of communicating what he does. And, um, yeah, I, I was, I was ridiculously nervous because one thing that I am, uh, I have quite a lot. I'm one of the things that, that is, it was very out of character for me to do this because I'm quite, um, quite shy really. And I'm not the most outgoing person. Um, so I was very, very anxious about ringing people I'd never spoke to before. And I didn't know and kind of, you know, asking them really sometimes quite personal questions. I was, you know, I'd, my wife will tell you I often didn't sleep the night before I was so nervous the night before interviews. So, um, which sounds probably ludicrous to you, but it was just, yeah. But when when I did it and I talked to those people, I would always come bouncing out of the room afterwards. Like, this guy's, God, this person's doing this and this. We should do that on the farm. And my wife is like, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> just calm down. But that's, you know, that's just a bit who I am. So it's, a, it's I mean, for, for me to sit down and film a podcast with you at the minute, Will, is, is, um, send you a link and bang we're here and the quality is pretty decent and I can see you easily enough and if I want to use that for a video that's fine I choose not to but there's never any issues with posting it to Spotify like unless you looked at having an in-person studio it's the only yeah. thing that's going to be better 
that wasn't the case for you. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. <clears throat> no, it wasn't. Um, yeah, so at the time, I mean, now we've got um, where we farm. We're not in the middle of nowhere, but we are kind of at the end of an 03 road and we're, we're last on the line for the broadband. So it just kind of steadily gets worse um, as we came down. I persevered with fixed line broadband for a long time and I'm not even... I spit on the ground when I mentioned BT because I had nightmares, <laughs> with them, nightmares with them for years. But um, I'm not going to get on my soapbox about that. But we've got decent broadband now, but we didn't then. And God, recording podcasts, you know, it would drop out. I mean, the guests were so patient because, you know, my broadband would drop out three or four times. And I I was trying to do it off Skype and uh, record these files. I'd end up with about eight small audio files and have to edit them all up to me hours to edit all together and then i had to upload it and it would crash uploading i'd be you know hours and hours sorting it all out but um so yeah it was there was a lot of there was a lot of perseverance but um thankfully it did get easier in the end um, when uh 4g eventually came to the welsh borders um but yeah it is a bit of a different game now. It's only six years on since you started, but uh, yeah, yeah a, total, a total change. It's funny you mentioned BT. I haven't worked with BT for, <clears throat> God, what, <clears throat> probably six years. And the reason for that is I always use Vodafone now, but back home, mentioned before we re- hit record, I'm from Aaron. <clears throat> One guy basically just said, I reckon we can create some internet. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and there's this company called Broadway Partners that have sort of created what's called line of sight internet, and they they're yeah. looking at, like they're looking at one gigabits a second now. Okay. It's mental, and I'm like, God, we're sitting, go home to Aaron, and I'm like, yep, internet's better than the university. <laughs> <laughs> How's yeah. this happen? <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah t- tell us, tell us. Well, you you started that sort of podcast, but it's not just out of the blue. You're not you're you're from farming yourself. Tell us, tell us about your sort of farming story yourself. Yeah, so um, based near near Wrexham in North East Wales, about five miles from Wrexham, um, about seven or eight miles from the Shropshire border. So although we're in Wales, you know, when you tell people we're in Wales, they they kind of assume that you farm on the side of um, on the side of a mountain, but we we don't. It's really flat where we are, um, very fertile land. Um, so we're mixed farm, arable and um, beef cattle. Um, used to be dairy. There's a lot of ex dairy farmers around now, isn't there? Until um, till 2008 with dairy but um came to a bit of a crossroads with that we either needed to be milking a hell of a lot more cows or or get out so we decided to um to get out um so we buy in um quite a lot of dairy bred calves okay. about 330 cattle on the farm which is about capacity for the buildings we've got at the moment um and then um uh, arable crops as well and do a bit of contracting and all sorts um very very deep roots in the area um um, at least 10th generation farmer in this area um uh that's as far back as we can trace it's pretty easy it's pretty difficult to uh tr- trace a surname like evans in wales um so <laughs> we, we got back to the early 1700s and we couldn't we couldn't get any further but um i'm going to assume it will be in farmers going back there and there's a few sort of miners and soldiers along the way but it's mostly farmers so um yeah very very deep roots in this area my family uh, came to the farm we're on now in 1950 my granddad was the youngest of 10 um from right up in the right up in the hills um there was nothing left for him so him and my him and my grandmother got the tenancy of this farm in 1950 when they were when they were quite young with a young family and um it was it was in a pretty bad state at the time and they dedicated their lives to to making it um a decent farm again and parents did the same and 
my wife and I are currently trying our best as well. So, um, so yeah, very, very deep roots in the farming community. I'll, I'll consistently have third gens on. I've had two fifth gen, I've had one eighth gen, never had a tenth. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, well, never had a known tenth. Uh, and as you say, it's probably probably higher. That's uh, do you say 1700s? Yeah, it got back to the early. Well, one of my one of my dad's cousins did it, traced all the family tree and all that. Um, got back to the early 1700s. So, um, yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Not not very far from here either. So I don't know if that means we're not very ambitious or we're just or we're just very happy with where we are. I don't know. I can never decide. The Evans hadn't discovered transport. Um, no, no, <laughs> no. It no, didn't. That's... It didn't come to Wales until a few generations ago. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> Only quickly followed by 4G. Um, yeah. The exactly. family trees are amazing. That genealogy and uh, I yeah, I, I would, I haven't done one myself, but have looked into one that was done by my dad's cousin, and it turned out, yeah. I'm going to say this wrong, but it's something like one of my dad's like cousins' partners. So no blood relation to us <clears throat> was um, sorry, my papa's cousins' partners was a uh, not a distant, not a very close, but some kind of relation to Ronald Reagan. No way. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. Be rude to say they've got a big nose. No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was a uh, really cool. Yeah, and they they had no no sort of inclination or or belief that there were any sort of ties to the states at all. Yeah, yeah. That came out. You know, it's quite quite interesting. But yeah, it's... really cool. Yeah, I love all that. I'd love to do. Who do you who do you think you are or something? Yeah, it's, it's like... yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you'll be big time enough soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, but um, but yeah, I'd love to do it. What was the one? Was it Lenny Henry, or is it? Oh, was it? Or is it Ainsley Harry? I mix those two up all the time. But um, one of them had went on, and they were talking sort of quite negatively about slave trade, and it turns mm. out his family had came from that. And it was it's I've like I've watched the video of it, and he's like, oh my god. <laughs> There's like, always twists and turns, isn't it? We've all got we've yeah. all got skeletons, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Maybe I wonder who do you think you are after all? <laughs> yeah, but that the eleventh generation back, well, they were a bad team, you know. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. I've got there's a couple of roguish great grandfathers anyway, so we'll we'll perhaps we'll perhaps leave it alone. But yeah, uh, you mentioned the Rex media. Um, just a bit of a small caveat, I guess, but. Uh, somewhat shot into the global eye these days <laughs> with Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhaney yeah. taking, over, taking over the football club. What's that done for Wrexham? <clears throat> yeah, it, it's been unbelievable, really, because Wrexham is um, uh, a very working-class town, post-industrial, uh, used to have... Well, it's it's a real mix, because it used to have, if, you, if you'd imagine it, it was a coal mining town, a steel town, a barracks town, and a border town. So if you're looking for a fight, Wrexham is was traditionally always the place to go. You could always find mischief if you wanted in Wrexham. But I mean, I, I I say that with it in a very loving way. I love my hometown. I love the people there. Brilliant sense of humour and very sort of just honest, straight talking people. So I love it. But it's been down on its luck for a long time. Quite a lot of social problems, um, as there are in a lot of towns in Britain. But um yeah, what it's done for the town, Ryan and, and Rob Byrne, the football club, which might seem sort of quite innocuous to people who don't know the story, but um, the football club is, it, it, it's it's really reflects the fortunes of the town. So it used to be pretty famous because one of the things, I think it's the third oldest football club in the UK. So early 1900s, there was a lot of 
success you know they won trophies and things like that um and then it kind of went rapidly downhill succession of very very bad owners in the last sort of 20 years um and at one stage it really looked like it wasn't going to be there the fans bought the club and um by a bit of a miracle managed to save it and then um they had all these really bad owners so i think the the whole club and town were kind of quite scarred by that so they were quite worried about these kind of hollywood big shot types coming in and what they were going to do and then but they managed to convince um the fan the share owners and the fans um that they would do a good job and it's just been such a breath of fresh air and what it's done for the whole for the football club but for the whole town and the area the whole of wales i would say even um how they've embraced the culture and the people and they're over here all the time you know they're, they're sort of spotted in the pubs and local businesses and ryan Reynolds is supposed to be buying a house here now and he's put you know at the last game of the season which i was at when they got promoted it was unbelievable there was a big pitch invasion it was just joyous you know i went on the pitch at the fi- after the final whistle and you know burst into tears because my granddad who took me to my first Wrexham game when I was like nine years old you know I just sort of ran onto the pitch and I wished he'd he'd been there you know I could yeah. get a bit emotional now but you know and you could see up in the box Ryan and all his family and yeah it was just 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 a really nice good news story I mean I don't you know I don't think we're going to go on and get to the Premier League or anything like that but it's just really mm-hmm. nice to put smiles back on people's faces in the town and make them walk a bit taller so um yeah, look, look, look in town, proof it can happen, man. Look in mm. town, proof it can happen. Yeah, ex- ex- exactly that. Yeah, yeah. That's a really nice story, actually, about your, your grandfather there. Right? And um, yeah, it's. I mean, <clears throat> I the, the football I follow is international. Oh, yeah. I, I follow like very few people know more about the stats of football in general than I do because I just love it. I don't actually watch much. I watch a lot of international football, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information on our primary sponsors, Aplan Rural. Aplan offer bespoke cover for farms and estates the UK over and will give you tailored insurance for anything on the farm from your old workhorse tractor that's been around 20 years or a fancy new and exciting diversification. There's such a story there with, with Rexham. I mean, like you're saying, yeah, you might not make it to the Premiership and Grand, but did you think three years ago you would be saying we might not be the Premiership? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that's such an insane thing to say. Now you did uh, not. No. You're sitting with a with a, a keeper who's played in the Champions League, who's won the Champions League. Your yeah, yeah. Your your, your striker was was um was Super Paul, Paul Mullen. Yeah, yeah. So my my cousin's good mates were Paul Mullen. No <laughs> way. Yeah, he, he, he <laughs> oh played. God. He plays for Bolton, and they they played together at Cambridge. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I'll tell my kids that. Mike. But I think yeah. what, what is lovely as well, and what I didn't mention, is when I was growing up in the 80s in this area, because we're not too far from Liverpool, Manchester. Um, you know, everybody grew up supporting Liverpool in the 80s, obviously. And then yeah, obviously the rise of Man United in the early 90s. It was all, all the kids were in Liverpool and Man United shirts. But now... All the kids, and you see it in my, in my I got four kids in, in three of them in primary school, and all the kids are Wrexham shirts. You know, That's so cool. what it's going to do for the future, for the next generation, you know, it's only going to grow. So, yeah, just just amazing. That that is important. I mean, like I've born and bred in Scotland, like you very rarely saw something that wasn't a Rangers or Celtic shirt. Yeah, and and it, I was someone that wore a Rangers shirt. I couldn't really care less now, but. Uh, and when I really started going to watch football, my dad, it was always like a small club like Kilmarnock he went to. 
yeah, yeah. We should be wearing this. <laughs> you know, you're sort of buying into. I hear it's much more about football than intended, but it's um, as it as it a, a proper good story, and I'll have to go back and watch that pitch invasion. Try find you. Uh, I'll send. I'll, I'll send you. I'll WhatsApp <clears throat> you the video. My my. I've got a couple of videos. One of the fans all running on the pitch, and then one when I when I went onto the pitch. So I'll, I'll WhatsApp yeah. you the videos after. They're really cool. Fantastic, fantastic! Really cool watching the Ben Foster podcast talking about um talking about that moment. You know, he thought he was sort of done with football, and then he's good. He's good, isn't he? <clears throat> yeah, he's he's good guy. Yeah. Yes, he is a good guy. Re- really entertaining content creator. Mm-hmm. Do you know what my um? Let me get this right. Uh, I mentioned I'd spent a lot of time in Gochland with some of my ex partner's family. My ex's uncle is very good friends with Mickey Thomas. Oh my god! <laughs> and from what I understand, like the like, like some legend, I share yeah, a birthday with Mickey Thomas. Very I do, you know, not this, not the same age, but but yeah. Um, yeah, they were they were at the pub that night. Was it? Oh, I see if I can really dig in. Steve Watkin and Mickey Thomas. Yeah, that's right. In in nineteen ninety one, when they beat Arsenal in the FA Cup. That's um, right. Yeah, I don't know why I know so much for Wrexham, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah, uh, no, that, that that it's worth watching that Mickey Thomas goal on YouTube. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's here. It's, it's not just a tap it. <laughs> no, like, but, yeah, oh, yeah. no, no, no. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned you should say to your kids if you do want to hear Jack, because my cousin that that knows a uh, Mullins story, his podcast is a uh, Articast one hundred three, I think. Uh, Jack Iredale. So. Yeah, check that out. <laughs> yeah, he, he talks he talks a wee bit about him in that, and he actually texted him for me. He, I was trying to get Paul Mullen on. And, uh, <laughs> responded, and he responded and he sent a selfie of him in the soccer AM chair and another photo of him talking to Ryan Reynolds and I'm like I've got no chance <laughs> that's, that's amazing, amazing. Um, but yeah yeah. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned back uh, sort of at the farm uh, uh, stage uh, well there before we got excited about um, about uh, Wrexham and Amazon yeah. and whatnot. Uh, what what's your sort of system for the for the dairy calves? How are you running them? <clears throat> yeah, so we're buying them all in um, as calves. Anything a sort of two to six weeks um, by the odd yearling, but mostly calves, um, mostly from neighbouring dairy farms. Um, blues, limousines, some Anguses, but mostly blues. Um, and we take them all the way through to finishing. We haven't sold any stores for a while. Um, works quite well we don't buy in any feed um we grow all our own feed um so it gives us a bit more flexibility you know see when grain prices are, are low we can we can walk it off the farm instead of them to sell it into the trade and we do to be fair we sell most of our surplus grain to a local feed mill as well which is only four miles away so that works quite well yeah. um grow a fair few different arable crops um we're using a fair bit ourselves but we also sell a lot we do as I say, we sell most of the surplus to that local female, but we do sell some to private customers as well. Um, sell a lot of the straw to local farmers too. So it works pretty well. Um, at the moment, we're um, like everyone else. We're, there's massive demand for land, isn't there? So um, I don't think we'll be sort of expanding the home farm fairly soon, or we are. Um, talking a little bit about um, doing something with my in-laws who farm in Shropshire, um, my 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 um, father-in-law who's who's a great bloke I get on very well with. Um, we might be we might be doing something with them over the next year or two, but I need to get this year out of the way first because we because I'm pretty busy with a few things this year. But um, yeah, that's I think 
where the future lies i don't know if any other kids will want to farm it's too easy to uh, too early too early to tell i think but um trying to get to a position where if they want to there's a role yeah well we can get to a place where if they want to they can all farm i think that's unlikely but we'll see we'll see what in what <laughs> stress me out it stress me out if all four of them want to farm bloody hell <laughs> it's, it's farm. i know that's a fair chunk that is uh, yeah um what um what age do you sell on fat cattle at? um average about 25 26 months okay. so uh, and we sell them all at the moment well we sell most of them live um in local markets yeah. so Oz is true or mold um my dad my dad is nearly 70 he's mm-hmm. like super farmer so he he is as fit and I say this touching wood touching the desk in front of me is as fit as active as keen um, as he ever is my dad is only ever happy when he's farming and the highlight of his week is going to market so he loves going twice a week buying and selling cattle Um, whether we'll be able to as he gets older whether whether we'll be able to continue continue selling live I don't know we do sell some Dad as well sells on to ABP, which is an ABP depot in um, not very far away. Sells on there as well, but at the moment we sell the majority live. I do like supporting the local markets as well. Um, to be honest, I think a lot about these kind of things, and in COVID, especially during lockdown, you know this this part of the world. A lot of the times, the only social life farmers get is the only time they ever get off the farm is to go to market once a week. We've got some really strong yeah. livestock markets in this area. It was very difficult for a lot of people during covid a lot of mental health issues i think as a result of it loneliness and yeah i think livestock markets play an important part in the community especially in this part of the world so um yeah we do like to support them where we can i think between <clears throat> between markets and shows that year was just gnarly like i mean it was it was i remember obviously um and i assume this was the case for wales as well obviously the first thailand show was cancelled as an open event you compete com, com, competing yeah. was happening but uh and then it came the next year and then it was as well and we were like yeah. like oh, it's just you were just ready to see folk and it, it really hit folk that actually um, it really did yeah it, was, yeah. it, 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 it it's almost quite weird to think back on now isn't it it's as if it didn't happen it's quite surreal um wrote something about this not long ago it's yeah thinking back on that time it was a very yeah it was very difficult really I saw, hope we never see it again yeah I, I saw a photo just a few days ago of uh it's like it's big ben but also you can see the ground and uh, it's like half three in the afternoon and there's like not one person yeah, yeah. and that's just surreal like and then know. yeah it I hope it doesn't happen again is it is it is it something that the <clears throat> the gates are open, this premise has been set that it can happen, or is it something that just no one would do that again? You know, it's a... Well, I mean, we were homeschooling through all through the whole thing, so I really, really do hope it doesn't <laughs> happen again. Absolute fucking nightmare. <laughs> um, we've got four very energetic young girls, so, uh, yeah, I really hope it doesn't happen again. But, yeah, I don't know. I, and it's hard to imagine, isn't it, that it can happen again with the... Yeah. Fact that it's still having on businesses and inflation <clears throat> and livelihoods and yeah i guess you can never say never but yeah it's a, it a strange topic i mean i was one of the ones that just wanted rid of masks i just wanted to get back to normality as soon as i could but also i do have to say i owe a lot to it happening <laughs> i left a terrible job got an amazing job started to mm-hmm. do all this stuff you know like it's kind of 
Um, I, I do look back on it and think I hated it, but I do owe so much to it happening, which maybe feels a wee bit wrong to say. But... No, I do, I do not understand <laughs> what you mean. And, and although, although I've just said what I've said about the kids' home squadron was difficult and there were obviously elements of it were extremely difficult, um, you know, and I don't want to make light of it because I know it was horrendous for a lot of people, but at the same time, there were nice bits as well. And it was quite, it was quite nice. I suppose we were very lucky. Those yeah. of us who, who do live on farms, you know, we were very lucky when we to have that space. And, you know, we, my, my sister and brother-in-law live in a, a little terrace house in the London suburbs and they were locked down with a one-year-old and a two, two boys, one and three. And, you know, they were, both of them were used to commuting into London every day, that kind of busy London life. And then suddenly they were stuck in a little box for 18 months or whatever it was. So, you know, we we were very lucky, really. But um, yeah, there were there were moments, and it was nice not having to run around yeah, here, yeah. there and everywhere. So yeah, yeah I, absolutely. Uh, but I mean, I think it is it is it would be unfair to not comment like what you said. Yes, we were lucky. I mean, I, I just went back home and and land at home, and you know, you've got a two thousand acre farm, so it was yeah. land jumping on the quad, going walks weren't an issue. You know, it was, no, you'd, no. Worried Boris was going to be out with a sniper because you could go on your own field. You know, but, exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah, strange old time, but um. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry, uh, is is your wheat uh, melon standard feed? Sometimes, um, more often than not, feed though. Um, where we are, it's yeah. Occasionally, we can hit that spec, but I mean, the land obviously being a former dairy farm, uh, nitrogen levels are usually too high. So uh, yeah, we don't don't usually get melon wheat, but um, we have in the past. Um, we do sometimes, but uh, yeah, usually goes for feed. Have you got your own kit, or is it contractors? We've got nearly all our own kit. So, uh, it's, well, very exciting, actually. Bought a combine this year. Um, yeah, very exciting. I was driving it yesterday, which is so at the age of 45, I had my first combine in experience yesterday, which was tremendously exciting. Oh. Felt, like a, felt like a kid at Christmas. So that was fun. Um, because previously to that, my, uh, my dad's best friend has been combining for us for 40 years. So he... Uh, farms a little bit further up than us so his crops are always sort of two weeks behind ours so he's always been able to come do our combining and then we do contract baling so we've always done sort of his baling and it's always worked a lot we've worked together on it but he's um, reached the age where he's retired from combining so we bought, bought our own combining this year so um, um, so yeah now we pretty much do everything the only thing we don't do is maize harvesting maize. we don't harvest maize but um, we do everything else we do all our own silage in and my 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 dad who i previously mentioned is pretty independent minded so he and and pretty impatient so he wouldn't have the the patience to wait for contractors so uh, <laughs> so so yeah we've always tried to do it ourselves and um i guess fairly mechanically minded as well so we do we can you know we try and look after our kit and keep things going as much as we can so yeah, I can barely tell the difference between a grease gun and a hammer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, not quite. But uh, <laughs> uh, I do. I was speaking to. I'd, uh, I don't know if you're a Matt Styles, the honest farmer. Um, I had Matt Matt on the podcast last night, and uh, he was drilling. He was drilling OSR last week. Yeah, was he? Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah, he, he, it was a trial. Uh, okay. Just to try wow. and see if they can get ahead of the. The ever troublesome beetle uh, right okay uh, wow yeah, yeah, an interesting one i was quite, mm-hmm. quite taken aback by that who heard of spring and winter crops but not summer 
Uh, <laughs> uh, well, there's some there's some really innovative stuff going on at the moment, isn't there? I mean, I couldn't I couldn't get to groundswell. This I was I was going to groundswell, and then my daughter woke up on the Monday morning with chickenpox. So oh, <laughs> my my seven year old woke up with chickenpox very unhelpfully. So I was needed at home for childcare. So um, so I had to sell my ticket. But um, you know, there's there's just some people who are really trying some such innovative things. I think it's actually, although it's a in some ways quite a nerve-wracking time to be in farming and we all know all the volatility and inflation and low prices for some sectors at the same time it's pretty exciting i think i'm quite i guess i'm a pretty optimistic person but i am quite optimistic about farming and farmers at the moment so um yeah exciting time i think groundswell looks like a fantastic event <clears throat> yeah yeah well i went in um when in I think it was 2017 um, for the first time when it was just basically a tent in a field and a bunch of hippies. And I felt, I felt sort of quite out. I think I just started the podcast. So that's why I, I went to sort of see what it was all about and see if I could get some interviews and things like that. And it was just brilliant. Positive event, met loads of lovely people and learned quite a lot while I was there and implemented a few things on the farm on the back of it. And then I went last year and it, it was like a mini Glastonbury it was just unbelievable um I think what I like about it is everybody there is um people just go there to learn very Mm open-minded so there's not there isn't maybe the fixed opinions that there is in a you know certainly on social media where it can be a real echo chamber and people just kind of shouting at each other it it it, it seems I don't know this discussion is very much open-minded people are a lot very willing to discuss mistakes they've made um, and what they've learned from them and things like that so so yeah I I mean yeah it was awesome last year and it looked like <laughs> I got real FOMO this year seeing it all online but <laughs> it just looked great um, you know Christ they have DJs and bands you know it's just, yeah. you don't see that other ag events do you so yeah it was really really cool as well I mean got to come up the Royal Hill and Shore we've got that as well there is a high yes. As, as soon as I said that, I thought you were going to pull me up on that. I do love the Highland. I haven't been for a few years, but um, yeah, I do love it's, the Highland. It's, it's funny the Highland show as a as a kid in Scotland, and I'm sure you the same with 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 the Welsh. Well, was mm. was a thing that you're like, oh my god, the Highland show. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, get yeah. to go, and uh, yeah. like my mum and dad would take me, obviously from an island on the other side. So it was like a, a three day trip to go for a day, and. Uh, it was it was so exciting. Mum, mum and dad have got this photo of me at like two in the morning, sat, dressed, ready to go for the <laughs> nine. You know, like we're only only half an hour away. Uh, yeah, we're gassed. And then this year, I was there for seven days. Wait, seven days? <laughs> and I, I did six days last year as well. I just thought wow. it, man. It's so good to see everyone. I absolutely yeah. love it. But I, I got some proper, like you said, FOMO for, for. Uh, Yorkshire groundswell and yeah. soon to be Royal Welsh in fairness, but uh, I've got a I've got a <clears throat> a lady coming on the podcast, Claire Whittle, who's a who's a vet. Uh, no, I know Claire, she's great. Do you? Yeah, so I'm looking yeah. forward to Doctor Dove Whittle, which I thought is a fantastic name on Instagram. She's, she's brilliant. She's, yeah, yeah you will have a great time talking to Claire. Um, she was quite actively involved in the sort of circle of influence at, at it as well. Uh, also, also a great DJ, DJ Asian Persuasion. Claire. There you are. Um, I don't know that. Well, that's yeah, yeah. Ask her about that. She's awesome. I shall indeed. I shall indeed. I'm filming with her in about an hour and a half. So I'll. Uh, oh, well, there you yeah. go. I'll tell her I said hi. Last minute, last minute <laughs> research on there that I wasn't expecting. But I've mentioned, I've mentioned the Royal Welsh. We are currently in 18th of July. You'll be kicking off in a few days. Are you going to be there yourself? 
We are well. We are uh, judging by the current weather because it's pouring down with rain here. <laughs> Jud- judge- judging by the weather, <clears throat> we are. Uh, we will be there. It's always one of those. The Royal Welsh is not a good time of year for uh, arable farmers. Um, although, but I guess there's not many arable farmers in Wales, which is, I guess, why they do it then. But um, the, the Highland would be a better time of year for me. But um, so often we're harvesting, um, so I can't go. But uh, yeah, the way it's going, we will try and go down for a day or two. The kids yeah. are the kids are pestering me to go anyway. So um, yeah, we'll see. But um, they're just kind of getting to an end. My eldest is thirteen. The next one's uh, 11, nearly 12. And yeah, they're kind of getting to an age where they're just get starting early interest in young farmers and all that kind of thing. So it's all, get, it's all getting a bit scary. So um, so you, you made mentioned about sort of taking over the farm, engaging interest and stuff. They, they like farming, do they? Or do they? Yeah, they do. They do to varying degrees. My eldest, uh, <clears throat> my, my eldest, probably the least so, um, although she's very keen to go to young farmers and loves all the social stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I th- I, yeah if i had to bet i would imagine she will go and work in london or a big city but you never yeah. know do you sometimes i mean i you must speak to people for the podcast i know i did I, I spoke to a lot of people who had no interest in farming went away did something completely different and then they got to maybe 30 or their 30s and their parents were didn't necessarily have a successor for the farm and we were sort of reached a stage in life where they were either going to have to sell up or decide retire and then the kids decided that they didn't want the farm to go so then they came back to farm you know it was it was in them somewhere and I I don't know we'll see I I don't my second daughter's particularly interested if she was the one I would bet on but um yeah you never know we deliberately haven't pushed them I think they've got to find it for themselves you've got to you know, it, a lot of people get pushed into it, don't they? And I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the way to go. So, um, so yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I think that's that's a good way to go about it. We actually had the guy I filmed with yesterday. He did drama, and then suddenly it was like he, he said he was sitting doing a a, a sort of read, a script read, uh, sat in a black room, mid July, and he was like, "I don't want to do this anymore." <laughs> and I did. I did make sure to ask him. I was like, "Did you find yourself standing in a wet field in December, thinking about the idea of drama?" But uh, that wasn't the answer. Yeah. My my mom and dad did the exact same uh, outlook. What would you say the intentions as you guys have had? They they never pushed me towards it. And and mm. the people back home, small island, everyone knows everyone. Um, yeah, of course, yeah, I'm going to do agriculture. I know there was laughs behind closed doors. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't, doesn't have any interest. Uh, ah. and, and that was purely, I think, you know, if, if mom and dad were geniuses, if they're listening, I'm sure they're not, but uh, I'm sure they're not geniuses. Uh, not that they're not listening, they're probably listening. Uh, <laughs> um, they could have, if, if they played that and they wanted to get me into farming, they did it very cleverly, but uh, yeah, almost mm. made me intrigued. It's been forced. No one wants to be forced into it, man. They want it. No, I don't think so. And I, I, yeah, I, I would, I mean, if I, yeah, it's really is entirely up to them, but um, I would hope even if they did say, look, Dad, I, you know, I desperately want to farm and I want to be a farmer, I would strongly encourage them to go away and work in another industry entirely, at least, at least for a few years, just come back with some different ideas and a different perspective. I, I, I think doing what I did and just sort of going straight home to the farm, although I, I then later, when I, I later went to Harper Harper Adams and um, for three years, which was 
40 miles away and that was about the furthest I've ever been from Wales at the time (laughs) (laughs) and it seemed like a really big thing um but yeah I I would strongly encourage them to go away and do something else for a little bit first and then you know if they still want to then um you know I welcome them with open arms but um yeah are are you and your wife both full-time on the farm yeah so my wife um used to work in sales for Kellogg's um so she used to be here there and everywhere doing that and then when we uh, had our first daughter, we had our, our eldest two very close together. And then um, she decided, to, it's, it's really difficult with childcare and farming, isn't it? So she decided, or we decided that um, that she'd stay at home for a few years. And then we had a third child and then we had a fourth child. So we had four in five years. Um, very tight carving pattern. Um, uh, <laughs> You're done, Dick. And I'm not going to do any more cattle carving references because she gets sick of them but um yeah um but yeah now she is so she very excitingly um well we think it's exciting in lockdown as we talked about earlier she started growing vegetables and then she um found a passion for it and loved it and then um so we decided we'd start a business doing that. So we put up a big polytunnel and then she started growing vegetables and selling them locally through a box scheme. So um, it's been a really cool diversification and it's something we can do together around the rest of the farm and the kids. I didn't really want her to come home and just um, as often when partners come into a very traditional established business, it can be hard for them to find their feet and they end up getting they end up doing the parts runs and the accounts Uh, and I just I wanted her to have her own space in the business and and she's just tucked to it like a duck to water and um she's been brilliant so um yeah she's she's done so well with it and it's been yeah um really really cool sideline for us so um yeah but yeah she also helps me loads on the farm as well so it's a team effort What's your what's your season on box schemes like that? Because I assume it's not twelve months. No, so she grows a lot. She grows no end of different things, um, and then she also uses a local organic wholesaler as well. So they buy as much as they can. They're they're brilliant, based in Manchester, so they buy a lot in from the northwest of England and and North Wales as well. And they try to source as much as they can locally. So basically, what she does is supplements what she can grow with stuff from local wholesalers as well and they um yeah it's just a really really cool thing to do we get a lot of it's been really that that sort of direct selling thing has been really cool as well we've met a lot of people we've met a lot of people in the surrounding villages who we didn't know you know it's just nice to you know form those relationships with the local community too so it's been um yeah it's been it's yeah it's just been a really nice thing i think absolutely and uh the you mentioned about your your big travels 40 miles away to harper um, <laughs> you, did you tell us about harper well what was what was it like did you, i take it the way you said it you went as a mature student is that right well i went no well i suppose i was technically I, I think i was just I just turned 21 so oh, really technically so i, I wasn't really i was still some <laughs> my if anyone who knows me is listening they'll probably say i'm still not that mature but um but yeah i was 21 so the reason why it happened actually was um mid to late 90s when bse kind of hit um and it was a really really difficult time for us as um relatively small scale dairy farm and i remember um 
it's really it's only when you get older you appreciate how difficult these things are your parents but i remember look if i think about it now you know i remember sort of my mum and dad's kind of sitting around the kitchen table late at night you know worrying how we were going to get through this which i hadn't mentioned we're tenant farmers as well so okay. we don't <clears throat> don't own the farm it was, you know it's difficult it was a really difficult time for the beef prices were on the floor i remember coming back from market with my dad once and you know beef probably like 80 pence a kilo or something you know we came back kind of almost in shock you know giving giving cattle away and milk prices on the floor and the dairy companies at the time were you know were really bad you know i remember that at one stage a dairy company with backdated a milk price drop and it was just really really difficult time and i was obviously in my late teens and i realized that christ i i don't have any qualifications none the only thing i can do is milk cows so i thought i'd better go and get a qualification just in case um so so yeah <laughs> of course i went to study agriculture um at the at the you know our problems which is which was probably my local i did i did look at some others but i just liked it there and i liked the campus and everybody was just really friendly and i knew a few people in the year above me as well and i, I can't stress how wet behind the year i was i'd never hey. i'd never i really hadn't hardly been off the local community so um you know, it seemed like a huge thing, but um, arrived there. And on the day I arrived, I met um, the people who are still my best friends now. So um, it was one of those kind of things that were almost, you know, without going too over the top and too cheesy, it was kind of like we were meant, we were meant to be friends. And so we, we got put in a hall for any ex-Harper that were listening. We were in Ward Hall of Residence, which at the time had, I think nine blokes on the bottom floor and then there was about 40 girls on the two floors above us so it was like i you know landed in heaven um <laughs> like none of us could really none of us could believe it and um yeah the 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 of the nine guys on the bottom floor two of them were, were sort of much older they were they were kind of they were um uh year final year students and then the yeah. seven of the seven of us who were mates are still best friends now and we ended up being each other's best man and godfathers to each other kids and um you know we meet up we meet up um a couple of times a year once once as a sort of dad trip where we get up where we forget that we're all middle-aged now and have horrendous results as a result uh hangovers as a result um after a few days on the beers and that's always good fun and then we have once um once a year we meet up with each other's families and you know there's there's god knows how many kids now and the kids have all grown up together and are friends in their own right so yeah, I loved it. Loved my time at Harper. It was um, yeah, some of the best best times of my life. I can't speak highly enough of the place. Yeah, it's it's a place that I've never been actually, which is is quite quite bad as someone who is an agricultural lecturer. <laughs> um, where where did you study agriculture? No, I, I lectured it. <laughs> ah, okay. You didn't study it. All right. Okay. Well, I did. I did. But I, I sorry. I thought you said where do you study? I studied it at SRUC. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and now I teach you there. Um, I yeah did, okay i did my master's in food security all <clears throat> right okay well one one of my best friends at harper um is from duns in the scottish borders oh, yeah, and, yeah. and his best mate uh also studied at siuc so we through him we had a few we went up there a few times and had some very big nights so um, yeah, yeah i can imagine yeah duns is a great place man it's a, that's really yes. i don't know if you're a a, a car racing fan um <laughs> But Jim Clark, that's for that's right yeah brilliant brilliant rolling hills isn't it all those woodlands and yeah just just great great country yeah you know you spoke about a downpour um 
speaking about Wales and the fight that Royal Welsh and you'll maybe make it because it's chucking it down. We we've got um Scott sheep up here. We've also got like Highland sheep, North sheep. It's just basically yeah. sheep show. Yeah, every two years, <clears throat> and uh, Scott sheep. It was before I liked farming, <laughs> so uh, my mom and dad must have been uh, must have dragged me along. I would say it would be twenty ten, maybe. Okay. Um, Scott sheep was in Duns. This place called Quickswood, and looking back, like just an absolute perfect place for it. Yeah. Absolutely so progressive i mean more concrete than we have grass like just <laughs> you know a phenomenal unit yeah and it was just like a bloody lake i've never <laughs> seen rain like it i've never yeah. seen rain like it and it was such a shame but that that wasn't done and it was a it was a um yeah. they do get weather they're so open there isn't it they do they do yeah. i know i know storm um storm arwen battered, yeah. battered them up there didn't they a lot of trees we went up um earlier in the year to see to see our friends out there and there was still just trees down everywhere from uh, from the storms last year but um yeah gorgeous part of the world but as yeah not a place i know that well i mean as, as the crow flies not really far from where i live now but it's sort of like it's here and there you sort of kind yeah. of um <clears throat> just not a place that i would ever be on the way to but mm. yeah um not not a bad place at all you mentioned earlier on well you said something along the lines of a uh, quite busy this couple of years i'm guessing that's relating to your uh, ties with oxford farming conference maybe i'm wrong yeah yeah it is that that and and some other things but i guess yeah i guess that's the main thing so um yeah ofc so yeah for people listening it's a it's a farming conference loads of farming conferences around obviously it seems to be a new one springing up every week but um i was uh i say i was but ofc started in 1936 so a group of farmers and academics just outside Oxford. Um, that time, obviously, 1930s, 1940s was quite a um, exciting bit. Like, but like I mentioned earlier, it was, there was a lot of changes in farming. They were going into mechanisation and um, obviously the war, World War World War One, World War Two. A uh, lot of big changes, a lot of social changes, a lot of big um, trying to uh, produce more food at home. And I think it sort of all came on the back of that um, uh, uh, desire to produce more food and um, agricultural science in general. Um, and then it's kind of steadily grown from there. Um, I had mentioned and that I was a bit wet behind the ears early, earlier, but I, you know, I didn't wasn't really aware of many wider industry things. I guess until I started doing the podcast, mm-hmm. um, and then I started that on the back of it someone said have you heard of the oxford farm and conference i said no uh, and uh, they said have you heard of our emerging leaders program i said no and they said would you like to do it and i said well let, let me have a look at it um uh and i did and sort of very tentatively decided well i'll give it a go what's the worst that can happen and that's basically a leadership program that they do for for, for people aged between the age of 30 and 45 right last in an application to my surprise got accepted um and went off and met this incredible group of people um who've become friends for life and a really strong network um arrived there with the biggest case of imposter syndrome you know really did think god everybody here knows more than me everybody's got a better education than me everybody you know what am i doing here you know i should be back on the farm um but a really sort of important realization for me was when I got to know the rest of the group and some of them have gone on to do really high 
profile things in farming you know we all felt the same everybody had imposter syndrome and you know that was a real penny drop moment for me and suddenly realized that oh okay maybe I do belong in this room after all so um loved doing the program went to the conference in 2018 just blew me away really finding out about this whole world of possibilities and this exciting industry that we're in and I spoke to people really senior in organizations and you know you find yourself it's quite um the conference itself is very you know it can it's at Oxford University so it can appear to be sort of quite grand and you know you can it can be quite intimidating but when you get there and you realize that you know it's very very welcoming and you can find yourself sitting next to CEOs and all kinds of very high politicians and high profile people but everyone's very on the same level mm-hmm. so even me as a, as a just a tenant farmer from Wrexham you know I felt felt very welcome so just loved it I'd never been in buildings like that before you know you, there's a dinner on the on the one night at Christchurch College which is where they filmed the Harry Potter banquet scenes and it just oh, really? like, you know it's unbelievable you know you see all these portraits I was just like I've never been anywhere like this in my life so um loved it stayed in touch with everybody and then um a couple of the directors sort of got in touch with me and said, look, you know, you should think about being a director. We think you could do it. And I was like, who, me? You know, I don't really. I think that sort of emphasises that, you know, probably not someone who has a lot of, or traditionally had a lot of self-belief that, I'm, you know, sometimes when people tap you on the shoulder and show a bit of belief in you, it can be really quite life-changing. So something that I've tried to do to other people as well. Um, so again, last in an application to be a director, not thinking I would, and would happen and then suddenly I ended up being a director and then three years later here I am chairing the bloody thing which I never dreamt in a million years would happen um but yeah it's been a joy and then I've I've that we changed the name of the emerging leaders program to the inspire program um and then I've I've led on that the last few years so it's been brilliant for me having come through that program to to then be able to to work with um just some amazing people and hopefully give them a bit of a leg up you know and some of them have then a bit like me they came with that imposter syndrome and are feeling quite awkward about the whole thing but we've been able to to sort of oh I hope give them a bit of self-belief and then they've gone on to maybe do Nuffields or uh, a worshipful company of farmers or other kind of leadership things and then hopefully you know we'll see those kind of people on boards and um, in organizations in farming because I think that kind of diversity of background and farming like a lot of other industries you know it does tend to have the same old people on the same old boards and I say that you know as a a 45 year old white male myself um, you know I'm very conscious of that but we're trying very hard to get other voices and other people and diversity on 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 those boards and I'm really proud of the work we've done um, in that regard so I've loved my time so I finish in January after the conference I'll be chairing the conference on them this January um really really excited about what we've got planned we're in the midst of it and we're going to start announcing speakers and things at the moment but um I'm proud of it but it does take a lot a lot of my time so as much as I'm excited about OFC 24 um I will need a long rest afterwards it's um, yeah been busy. It's, uh, I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2 cast with another really interesting guest I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. Is there any of those sort of programmes for under 30s? 
<laughs> there is there is yes there is our scholar our scholars program so we're driving on the 30s program as well so yeah yeah anyone anyone's listening or, or, or you know or you you know check it out it's um it's really really cool uh, you know have a have a look on the website rfc.org.uk um yeah we have 40 scholars um every year they come to the come to the conference so um is is that what flavian obiero is this year flavian as flavian did our inspire program so yeah, Flavian was one of my inspired twenty-two groups. So yeah, Great. if you're listening, Flav, I forget you mentioned. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Flav's just I want to say ten thirty. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, just after he started the, um... in the inspired group. But yeah, it's been just just brilliant. The people I've met over the last three years has been has been the you know yeah this is the kind of you know this is the the conference itself and you know you you obviously meet. The, inspiring speakers and you know the, the, the that it is truly the location is amazing the architecture and all that but yeah it's the people and uh, the people you get to work with and learn from and you know again me coming from a pretty small family farm getting to work with some of the other directors and uh you know learning from them is yeah it's been just it's been a, a i've learned a lot i've had to learn a lot but it's been a, it's been a, it's been yeah amazing loved it and and you're probably the question the, the question to ask. No, you're the person to ask this. Well, um, I think I'm quite aware, but I've had quite a few quite quite a few listeners get in touch asking this, especially around your sort of late December January time. There's also the real farming conference. So what's the difference between the two? There is the real farming conference. Yeah. So I think I I might get some of this wrong, but I, I don't want to speak for the real farming conference. But I'm fairly sure this is their fifteenth year. Right. So fifteen years ago. And again, I don't want to speak. I've only been involved with OFC for the last three years. So I don't want to speak negatively sure. of anybody in the past. But I feel like OFC had maybe lost its way a little bit, okay. as, as had uh, the farming industry perhaps at the time. ORFC, the Real Farming Conference, was started as a protest against the involvement of chemical companies and um, large multinationals as sponsors and patrons of OFC. So as I, I don't know enough about it to, to say any more than that, really. I think the Real Farming Conference has been a really good thing for the Oxford Farming, because it's really confusing to mention it. I think the Real Farming Conference has been a good thing for OFC because it's pushed us to innovative, uh, to innovate, to change, I mean, this year, our theme, we have a different theme in the conference this year. This year, our theme is the power of diversity, mm-hmm. um, which I'm which I'm really, really proud of. Um, I don't think that would have happened um, in the past. <clears throat> so I think it's been really good for us. I have some slight frustrations now. I would, and personally, and it might be a failing on my part, but I've tried over the last few years since I became a director to, what I would love is just to do some joint sessions. Okay. But, but they've made it very clear they don't want to do that. So that's fine. I respect it. Um, I'm a bit sad about it because I would like to go to the Real Farming Conference and I would love to have those joint sessions where we could bring their delegates and our delegates together. And I think we could probably learn quite a lot from each other. But, you know, they don't want to and I do understand the reasons why. And there is some merit to keeping them separate. feels yeah. like a bit of a festival <laughs> of farming that happens in Oxford and you can dip into both if you want to. And some some delegates do. But you know it's difficult to do that in terms of timing but um but yes i've 
slightly frustrated that I I haven't been able to make some progress on that. And it, as I say, that might be a failing on my part. But um, but yeah, I, overall, I, they're they're both great conferences, and I, I don't want to I don't I don't want to speak negatively of anyone. No, I agree, and I think I think the crossover would be would be healthy. I mean, by the very nature of your your um, motto this year, uh, you know, it's it's not just diversity from a bio perspective; it's diversity from a cultural perspective, from, it is. from many different yeah. ways, which is yeah. which is why it's quite a clever name, actually. Um, sort of open to interpretation. Yeah. Uh, no, good stuff, and and a thing. Do you know I've never been to? I went to the online one. I can't remember what year that was. I assume twenty twenty one, but never never been to it so really really should make a point this year yeah really really to try and come love love yeah. to see you there um and try and get some some podcasts on the go there and try and get something happening that way uh so yeah i'm sure we, we've got some yeah. very very exciting speakers i can't say yet because we haven't For announced sure. them, but it's it's yeah. yeah it's gonna be really cool excellent good to hear good to hear so if you are listening people and you're interested in oxford farming conference go down and check it out um and you will see the man in charge. Uh, <laughs> sure, he would disagree with, but uh, yeah, certainly. I'll, 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 yeah, I hope you won't. Don't let that put you off. But um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, try, I'll try and stay in the background a little bit this year. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's going to be great. <clears throat> now here, well, it's always good to speak to someone that is. is yeah, I mean, your your name's sort of been. I'm not a Twitter person. I actively dislike it, <laughs> to be quite honest. Uh, but Twitter is Twitter's where you've sort of been around for for a while, and. Uh, my my co-host on the other series has now taken over the the Twitter side for this brand and, and he's doing really good things with it sort of but it seems Twitter seems to be finished now and it's not finished but it seems to have it's got a big competitor there in threads I think is what I'm probably trying to say yeah, yeah. so yeah so I've deleted I've actually deleted <laughs> Twitter so <laughs> so so yeah from so I used to love it used to absolutely love it and in the early days of Twitter it was great you know you could talk to farmers and it was like a it was almost like a little secret club, you know, of, yeah. there was a lot of farmers on there and you talk, and it was all quite you know, reasonably respectful and quite nice. And people seem to value each other's mm-hmm. opinions. And then it's just got steadily, steadily. I know, you know, look, I know a lot of people still love it and it, social media can get a lot of criticism, but, and rightly so. Um, but it can also be very important to people who are, who are lonely and isolated. And I made loads of friends on Twitter and, and loads of people from all around the world who I, speak to still regularly and it, i loved it but just got to the point where i just got and a lot of this is the sort of algorithms of it all but it's just there's just too much shouting and not enough listening on there for me now so um i actually felt that it wasn't good for my mental health being on there anymore um so much negativity and hatred and anger you know every time you log on to it it just sort of bring you down so um I just sort of, and, and, you know, I kind of disagree with a lot of the sort of politics of the current ownership of Twitter as well. So yeah, I just took the decision that look, I've had enough now. So, so uh, yeah, I deleted it. Um, so I still, I do a little bit on Instagram, but I'm, I'm a bit of a dad with it. I don't really know how to drive it. So, you know, I kind of have to get my da- daughter to help me with it. So I'm, yeah, know, but, but, um, but yeah, and I've, you know, I've started on threads, but I'm not, you know, yeah, I think I've just got a bit of social media fatigue, so I'm not on there very much. I haven't actually downloaded Threads, you know, which is very, very unlike me because I'm normally the person that's got things before folk have heard of it. Uh, it's quite nice so far, but um, yeah, yeah. I, I just don't, I just didn't get Twitter. I like, I like the way Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube works, but I'm 
I don't mm-hmm. like the thread format, but here maybe, maybe I'll eat Marge one day, but and I will regret it because <clears throat> there has been official things to being in the first million, the first 10 million, the first hundred million, and I've missed all of them. So yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, social media is a strange one. But the reason the reason I was sort of saying that you're not on there now, but um yeah, I'm sure quite a lot of folk listening are are aware of yourself and, and I'm sure they've enjoyed hearing your story, but there is there's two questions, unfortunately, before we leave any episode that everyone has to answer and they don't get away with not answering. Um, and the first one is one, where do you see yourself in five years? I think from what you're saying, that'll be the big five oh. Uh, <laughs> <and then, laughs> oh God, it will. Uh, uh, yeah. A few tips for folk coming into farming, what would they be? <clears throat> okay. Uh, so five years. Um, so when I finish with oxford in january i have no intention of doing any other wider industry things okay and they may be famous last words and you know maybe the right opportunity comes up and you might be able to sort of throw that at me in five years time you you said this but um <laughs> i've i've got no intention of doing that I, I just want to concentrate on a farm and family for a few years um and as i mentioned we're essentially doing something with my father-in-law and yeah some exciting opportunities come up so i really do just want to focus on the farm for a bit so in five years time um you know my kids will be some of my kids will be in my late teens in their late teens and yeah just need to focus on home for a bit so i hope i'll still be writing i mean i i I love writing for farmers weekly is probably my favorite thing i do so i hope i'll still be doing that but other than that uh no intention of doing anything else in fact other than farming looking after my wife and kids and, and yeah so a bit of a boring answer. I mean, I'm trying to, I wrote something for Farmers Weekly not longer, how I'm trying to write a 20-year plan at the moment, and I'm just okay. finding, finding it so difficult. I'm, I think I just don't have that that kind of mind. I'm not organised enough, I don't think. I, I don't think, think it's possible. I think, I, I know some people do it, and I, and I it really I don't think it on, works, though. No, maybe not. And it came <laughs> on the back of, you know, the pasture pod. Michael, yeah, yeah, Michael, Michael. yeah. Listen to Mike's six part podcast he did on um on time and time management and trying to and it had quite a big impact on me and I, I came on the back of that really and some of the people on there were talking about having these long-term plans and I thought well I'll 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 do that I think it'd be quite good for me but I think I'm just too chaotic I just can't my mind doesn't work like that I can't I don't know it might be I don't know. Don't know what it is. It's, too many variables, maybe. I just can't. Interesting. It's interesting you say that. You said, "Oh, maybe I'm not organised enough." I, I have a feeling you are quite organised. But I mean, I, I'm one of those sort of hyper organised weirdos that people can't actually tell that I'm organised because it's. I don't write anything down ever. Um, yeah. Okay. I knew I was doing this, but I haven't written it down anywhere. And I know I've got you know, but. Um, the reason I couldn't do a twenty-year plan, and and the the reason that when some guests say what, what where do you see yourself in five years, Wallace, that I have a different answer is the fact that I will say yes to everything. So there's there's like yeah maybe <laughs> I know that I'm going to be doing this for however long, but I also know if someone says do you want to do this, I'm like absolutely. So that's yeah. a completely different thing, and I don't think it's possible to. I think it's dangerous to write a twenty-year plan because I think you miss out on a lot of things. Yeah, um, you're pro- you're probably right, and and I I. I've got better at saying no to things because I was like that. And I got myself into a bit of a mess with it, actually, because I said yes to so many things. Yeah. That I I then got to a point where I felt like I wasn't doing anything. I was too, I was so stretched. I wasn't doing anything well enough and got myself just into 
bit of a mess with it all. But uh, so even though, but I still hate saying no to things. I hate letting people down. I just I always feel terrible when I say no to things, but I've, I'm getting better at it. You're also missing opportunities, aren't you? You're missing, oh, it'd be so interesting to learn what I'd have done from that or whatever. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. And what um, and one new and tips, tips for coming into farming. Yeah, tips and advice. <clears throat> tips for coming into farming. So I'm not, I'm not, I generally don't like giving people advice because I feel like I'm, <laughs> I just feel like most of the time I'm, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I'm the best example. I, I just tend to wing it. So yeah, yeah. Um, I guess my, I mean, I guess if this is for sort of new entrants and people trying to get into farming, what I would say is that um, there are a huge amount of opportunities out there and there's a lot of goodwill in the rest of the industry. Everybody knows that we need new blood and new new entrants in farming. I think it can feel really difficult. Um, it can feel perhaps, I think, I know people who are looking for tenancies and just can't get them and it's very, very difficult and it probably feel like you're banging your head against the wall. But what I would say is that, you know, I know some people that we mentioned Flavian earlier, Flav's someone who's probably a quite a good example of this. He's been persistent. He's got out there, gone to events, met people, created networks, and then opportunities have come on the back of that from yeah. maybe just talking to the right person, being in the right place at the right time. I think there are an awful lot of people who who want to help um, and who want to give other people a leg up. There are a lot of farmers who don't have someone following them on the farm, don't have succession. You know, there's a lot of opportunities for potential share farming um, with them because they would potentially like to stay on in the house. You know, you know how it all works, but you know, yeah. there are opportunities out there. It's just, it's just maybe finding them and getting a little bit, putting yourself out there. Don't be afraid to sort of knock on doors and go to events and introduce yourself to people and you never know what comes of it. But um, yeah. And, and, you know, look, you know, they're, they're even, I suppose my position, you know, it was chair of Oxford farming conference, you know, we can help, we can help people. So, you know, if there's anyone out there who thinks I can help, you know, just please, please get in touch because we do have a lot of networks and yeah. you know, know, know a lot of people. So um, yeah, give me a shout anytime. I, uh, I think I might be getting in touch for the scholarships program quite like that. I actually, in fairness though, I actually am, um, uh, well, have sent in uh, an off-field application. Um, so could be could be quite interesting to see what happens, but no, uh, very good advice, I would say, even for someone that doesn't want to give it. Um, no, I appreciate your time, Will. Uh, it's been it's been good to chat, and it's I, I didn't expect to speak so much about football. Uh, <laughs> Not at all. It's, yeah. And that's what I quite like about this. You bring folk on and, and just, you've got like, I don't know if this is how you've done it with a podcast as well. You've probably got like three things in your head. I've completely yeah. forgot to mention the Farmers Weekly, so thank you that you mentioned it. <laughs> that wasn't because I'm sponsored by another magazine, don't worry. I wasn't trying to, <laughs> trying to silence it or anything like that. But uh, no, it was, uh, it's always quite nice to hear sort of what makes folk tick and what else is in there. But uh, Thank you for coming on. Hope you've enjoyed your time as well. <clears throat> Brilliant. No, thank you very much for asking me and keep up keep up the great work. It's um, yeah. I've actually just uh, I don't know whether you want to leave this in or cut me out now, but I listened well, to I'll just to tell you what if there's something, do you want me to just do the outro then and then I'll uh, just on, yeah, yeah. unless you want to put it in. Um, no, 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 I'll tell you, I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> Perfect. If if you are uh, still listening, guys, appreciate your time as always. Next next episode will be number 125, which is kind of scary to think. I actually did some maths a couple 
couple hours ago that uh, episode 100 came out on the 6th of May, 125 I'm guessing will be coming out either early August or late July uh, and for reference my first episode was uh, the 16th of January and my 25th episode was December so uh, yeah kind of mental the speed at which the podcast is ramped up <clears throat> um, I hope you're still enjoying them uh, as I said as I continue to say any requests send them in and please don't be the one that gets in touch saying you never brought the person on I asked I get about 20 a week and until I'm releasing 20 episodes a week that will not be the case that I'll be managing to say yes to everything so I uh, appreciate you all for listening um, and uh, we will see you, see you for the next one thank you very much I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2Cast I just want to take this moment to quickly thank our primary sponsors once more Aplan Rural if you follow Aplan on social media, you'll see the work they're doing to really promote British farming and back our industry. It's been a pleasure working alongside Aplan Rural so far and long may it continue. The values of Aplan Rural runs perfectly in line with the whole mantra of Rural to Kitchen and I'm glad to have them on board. Check them out on Instagram at Aplan Rural and on Facebook at Aplan Rural Insurance. See you for the next podcast.